I'm Jack Arevich and welcome to the Sober Podcast, where we dive into the worlds of business, entrepreneurship, health and the journeys of successful sports players. Whether you're a business enthusiast, aspiring entrepreneur, health conscious individual or a sports fan, Sober Podcast has something for everyone. We bring you insightful conversations with business owners shaping industries, entrepreneurs turning their dreams into reality, health experts sharing wellness tips, and successful sports players revealing their behind-the-scenes stories. I've had the incredible privilege of chatting with some of the brightest minds and inspiring individuals across these diverse fields. Together, we uncover the secrets of success, share valuable insights, and explore the common threads that connect us all. Each episode is not just an interview, it's a journey. A journey into the minds of those who have made a mark in their respective domains. We laugh, learn, and get inspired together. So whether you're tuning in for the latest business trends, entrepreneurial wisdom, health hacks, or untold stories of your favorite sports players, Sober Podcast is your go-to podcast. Hit that subscribe button, join our community, and let's embark this incredible journey it's together. Great to have you on, this mate. Is, um, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a really insightful chat for those listening. Uh, you know, obviously with your quite a diverse background of you know having a, a stint in MMA as a fighter, and then you know being the CEO of one of the most successful sales agencies in Australia, uh, and lots more, mate. So I'm really keen to to have a chat with you and delve into what you're doing. I appreciate it, mate. So just to uh, to kick it off, I guess, what's a little bit of an intro into into your background? Um, obviously, you know, I'd love to talk a bit about uh, your company, which is FCOM. Is that how I say it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mate. So I'd love I'd love to hear a bit more about uh, how what what's that what that is all about, um, how it started, and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so so the sales company it was a it was a funny one because I. I like I when I was at university, so I was I was fighting professionally and uh, and finished university, but still needed something to do that where I was fighting, and um, so I couldn't do like a normal nine to five. Um, but then I broke my hand and thought, okay, well, I might as well you know make some money while I'm on the six month you know six month layoff, and got you know just ran into a random guy once you know this is probably nearly 10 years, he just literally walked straight up to me and just, you know, like kind of the universe just kind of put us together and he goes, are you in sales? And I go, no. And he goes, do you want to be? I'm like, all right, like, sure. What are we selling? And so, um, and so I literally started the next week just doing like kiosk sales in a shopping center and, um, and ended up being quite good at it. And just, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I was making a lot of money um, just in, you know, basic, you know, entry level face-to-face sales. Uh, and then, uh, but then I, I, I wanted to go and get, you know, I had a degree and I, I'd wanted to, to go and, you know, you do, do the things that I thought was success where, you know, you're, you go and get a real job, so to speak. And, um, and this is back before the industry, you know, paid salaries or anything like that, you know, and I spent the next couple of years just doing things I didn't like going and doing the, doing the jobs I thought I wanted. Uh, and then, you know, just ended up running out of money and I was like, well, I need to make money quickly. How do I do it? well, why don't I get back into face-to-face sales? And so it was kind of like that that perfect girl that, you know, you're kind of dating and, you know, when you're young, but then you got to go and, you know, you're just not ready for that relationship. So you go out and, you know, try a few other relationships and you come back and, and you know, it's, they're single, you're single <laughs> and you get back together and it's perfect. And so um, we started the company officially about six years ago. This is when I got back into it. And um, 
and it's just been it was one of those ones where i just i I'd, i was very fortunate in that i you know most of the things i tried i'd had some success at and but but what i realized it was a i i didn't really take the take the company that seriously until i went to a conference and someone told the story of you know hernan cortez the the burn the boat story no i don't tell us about it uh it's uh it's, it's pretty overdone in sales people people talk about it a lot in sales but it's the idea that um the spanish tried to conquer mexico and the, the aztecs were very fierce warriors and so they they tried to they tried to take it over the 500 people didn't work they got sent back came back with a thousand didn't work got sent back came back with two thousand didn't work got sent back and hernan cortez was a conquistador who was stationed in cuba and he watched it all happen and he wrote to the king and he said look i know i know what the problem is it's it's i i can get this done send me 500 of your best guys and i'll you know and i'll take the place over and he goes oh, what have i got to lose you know whatever um and so they did and when they got there they beached the ships which obviously you're not, you're not supposed to do and he gave all the generals a flaming torch and they kind of looked at him like it's the middle of the day what do, they, what, what, what do we need these for and he said i want you to burn the boats he goes well if we burn the boats we can't come back home and he goes exactly we either take this place over or we die that's it and and now they speak spanish in mexico and and for me at that time where i i had never really committed to something i realized that all the things i was doing when i would get bored or it would get hard or I'd fail, I'd go and do something else to make myself, you know, feel that excitement. And I never embraced that grind and embraced the failure. And and it wasn't until that day that the business in my mind really started. And then we went from, you know, from zero to a hundred very, very quickly. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's like one of those classic things, like you said, of you just, it kind of fell into your lap somehow, but obviously there was a bit of grit and determination that went on in the background too. I, I always think there's a there's a strong element of serendipity in, involved in everything. I feel like that you know the the world always you know if you're so inclined to believe it, the world happens for you, not to you. And if you're mm. if you're good at reading the tea leaves and seeing okay, why is this happening? What am I supposed to do with this? You can get very good at feeling like you're on a path and finding that path that the that you feel like the universe is is setting for you. Yeah, it's uh, I definitely agree on that point. And I guess like when uh... In, in terms of, yeah, because you, you won a few MMA professional fights, which obviously going from fighting to sales, kind of similar because you, you, <laughs> it's both probably pretty stressful. But um, what what was that like, you know, in that transition from, you know, I guess when you were focused on being a professional athlete to, to focusing on something more in, I guess, the corporate sales world? The, the, the funny thing is, is they're not that different. Like in, mm. in sales, uh, especially especially low ticket sales, which is which is what where I've really found my passion because I find high ticket is good if you just want to be a seller, but if you want to build something and scale something quickly, you need replicatable systems with a lot of people to to sell and a lot of repetitions for people to you know if you're training somebody, if I'm selling something high ticket, I'm going to be you know maybe I'll do two pitches a week, three pitches a week, you know of actual sit down talk about it. Whereas yeah. if I'm if I'm doing low ticket, I'm doing a hundred different pitches a week. You're gonna you're gonna get a lot more reps in. You're gonna get a lot better, a lot quicker. So I really think that you know. So I've sort of found our niche in the lower ticket stuff. Um, but how it's very similar to to fighting is that it's the same mentality, right? Because it's a it's a solo sport, but you're still part of a team. You you've got to be competitive in order to be good at it. You've got to you've got and I'll throw a lazy hook and you'll clip me. It wasn't because something magic happened or there was some you know crazy excuse. I let my hand come down. If I kept it up, it wouldn't have happened. 
And so being able to be accountable is what makes you good at fighting in sports. It directly applies to sales as well, because if you're not getting the results that you want, it's generally because you're not doing something. You either don't know what you're supposed to do or you're not doing what you know you're supposed to do. And so it was very similar in that regard. And then also it's just grueling, right? Like that, that some, some people can't handle rejection. Some people can't handle the, the pressure of having to be in a results-based role where people can see if you're good at your job or not. You know, like it, that's, that level of insecurity is not for everybody and it's not, you know. Um, so I think it, it really, like in terms of finding jobs that I could have transitioned out of fighting for, I think sales is definitely the best, you know, far and away the easiest. Because what we get a lot of, especially in my company now, we get a lot of ex-athletes and ex-military. So people that are, you know, they, they performed at a really high level for a very long time and that was their whole identity but then they've come out of it and and their skills aren't necessarily transferable and Mm. what we now and and obviously being able to have done that myself to know okay well that's a really good transition out of what i thought my life was supposed to be about i think we're a real safe haven for other people like that yeah no that's really interesting i like that the the similarities between you know obviously the fighting and sales is is really interesting do you think you've brought a lot of your, I guess, strategy and approach into sales and what you teach your team lead into, you know, what you just said about the fighting similarities and that kind of athleticism and competitiveness and uh, accountability? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think I think that, look, you get, in order to scale culture, right, which is super, super important in sales in particular, because if the energy doesn't feel right, if the room doesn't, if, the, if, there, if you don't feel a sense of momentum, obviously, I know you've, you've had a career doing very similarly, so you'd know, like, it's, you know, it, it's, it's not a fun job if it's not fun. Like, the yeah. moment you stop, the culture goes, it's the worst job in the world, because you're just copying rejection all the time, and you're, you know, you're, you're having to, to do all the things people don't want to do. And mm. so... I think it it's definitely influenced the culture because the values that we set for the business there, you know, that came from what I saw, not just from my, my experience fighting, but what I saw, it, not, not even things I loved, but things I didn't like. Right. So if I, like I worked in my first ever sales job and the whole culture was people stepping on each other to get to where they want to go. And having that in a team is just not a healthy, especially in sales, which is prone to a lot of chest beating and, and egos you know, we, we set the rules right away. Okay, no, we got to pick each other up. We don't push each other down. And where I, what I got from the fighting was the, the idea of high standards, right? The people that are doing the most and don't make any excuses, they're the ones that perform the best. And then the last, the last core value for the company for us was growth, right? Is that you're, you need to be getting better every single day. And and the analogy we use for that one is race your ghost. Did you ever play Mario Kart? I did. Yeah, so so in Grand Prix, you know, anything can happen and you can be in first and you can get blue shelled or whatever. Back. We're back, mate. I don't know what happened there, yeah. but something something dropped off. Uh, yeah, you can that out. <laughs> Sorry, we had a uh, we had a hurricane, like a not a hurricane, we had a tornado come through, which is like never happens in Australia. Um, wow. but we had the you know, we had that big power surge come through. Um, right. so a lot of the Wi Fi keeps dropping out and I'm going off hotspot. That's all good, mate. Not a problem at all. Um, I I think you were talking about um, sales approach. If you want to continue where you're going, and then I've, we'll go from there. Yeah, look, that, that pretty much covered it, right? It's like the the, yeah. the secret to the culture that we had. Yes, it came from fighting, but it also came from a lot of other 
other parts of my life that I, you know, that I really enjoyed. I love, you know, seeing how good, you know, I just fell in love with personal development. And that's obviously why I started yeah. speaking as well. Um, and so just having a team that cares about each other, that has high standards and doesn't accept BS and races your ghost, right? Is focusing on getting better every single day rather than just trying to compete with other people or, or just going out to win the day. If you're going out to learn and get better, you know, if you win, great. And But even if you lose, you've got something you can improve on and, it, and it's a lot better for mindset. So having that as a culture, that's that's what really led us to not only the success we've had, but also to a lot of the awards around, you know, company culture and stuff like that. Um, so I think a lot of that came from fighting, but it also came from, you know, other areas of my life as well that sort of, I just got to see, because no one tells you when you start a business, you can make the rules, right? Like if you, if you want it to be a rule that, you know, if, if anybody ever points, they have to d jump up and down on one foot, you know, you can, you can make up any rule and people, you know, as long as it's not discriminatory or harassing, you can, you know, you can create whatever culture you want. And so being able to have that, that sort of fun environment where people feel cared for, it's not by accident. It's, it's, we're intentionally doing things to bolster that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree there. And I think, you know, in sales as well, it's so important that yeah, i guess especially if you're running a large team of sales of sales team members to have that morale boosted at all times and because you know it comes in ebbs and flows there's got to be great weeks and you know also awful weeks too so um yeah i think having that approach of keeping the morale up so when people are having those rough weeks of sales and not getting meeting their deadlines or goals or what they were supposed to hit that week they've got other people around them that can lift them up yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and because a lot of times you you forget about your own goals, right? Like like you know, obviously when you get to the higher levels, maybe not so much. But but for most staff, you know, it, you can set these amazing goals with them, and then two three weeks later, you know, they, all of a sudden they're not feeling good, or their their girlfriend's wanting to break up with them, or something like that. And uh, you know, all of a sudden they forget about their goals, and it's a lot easier to forget about your own goals than it is to let down your teammates and their goals. And that's something that we try and preach a lot is like, if you're not gonna do it for you, do it for them. If, if you're if you're not always gonna be about yourself all the time, do it for your teammates because we're trying to build something together and all of their goals hinge on us performing as a team. So don't let your teammates down. And, and you don't wanna do that in a guilt trippy or manipulative kind of way, but it is very useful to, to to understand how people work and how they they are so prone to letting themselves down so so that you know having a team that cares about you really makes a big difference not just from the supports perspective but also from the motivation perspective yeah 100 percent. and what's your like out of i guess what's your approach like say you know you've got a young kid that walks in or like you said you get a lot of ex-military and sports players come in what's your i guess training technique uh, advising technique and to get them you know uh, performing at their optimal best i guess from as a development like if someone you know a stranger joe blow walks in tomorrow and he wants to come work with you what's the the kind of steps you take in your business to ensure that they they're you know they hit their successes yeah look it's, it's meticulous like because that's you got to understand what kind of business you're in right like blockbuster thought they were in dvds they weren't they were in they were in entertainment and now they're out of business right kodak thought they were in film they turned down the patent for the digital camera you know they were in memories and now they're out of business right and so for us i've, I've always realized when i've never been a sales 
you know, business owner. This has never been a sales business. This is a personal development avenue. It's, it's a it's a leadership factory. People come in, people who have an above average desire to be successful, right? And and have the, the capability to be great, come to us to help them achieve that. And I'm very aware of that. And so when, when we realized that that's what our business, or the core of our business was, well, then we just went, we went deep on that, right? And, and so, and, and we attract much better candidates because once we understood that that's what we were about, that we could teach you, in, in particular, the communication skills that come from sales, the mentality that comes from sales, the leadership, which comes from being in you know, low ticket where we are scaling very quickly and being part of a business that wants to scale. Um, and, and the networking that comes from it. I mean, I, I genuinely believe that we provide a better business education than any university in the country. Um, and I'll, and I'll stand on that. You know, I'm, I'll back that any day of the week. And, and so if that's what we say we're going to be about, then we've got to, we've got to pass the salary test as Simon Sinek says, you know, where you've got to, you've got to be congruent with who you say you are. And so if we're going to be the best self-development, you know, personal development, business development avenue in the world for people with an above average desire to be successful, how do we maximize that and make sure we back that up? And so the first thing is obviously making sure we're bringing in the right people, because if you're bringing in people who are lazy, people who don't want to learn, people who don't want to take feedback, who, who don't actually care about their own growth, you know, if you're bringing in the wrong people, that'll poison the well very quickly. So our recruitment is, is really, really like rock solid. So that's step number one is making sure the right people are coming in the door and, and we're not getting desperate. So we're, we've really gone, you know, be, you know, in my opinion, become, you know, experts in sales recruitment because we had to, because we needed to sustain the, you know, if we look back on everything that, everything that has gone wrong for us, it's been, it's 90% of it's been personnel issues. So making sure that we're, you know, smart about that is step number one but then if they do make it in through the recruitment process which is quite lengthy but also quite quick um then they're going to get they're going to get looked after so so they get an online platform of so every day for their first three months there's a new skill that they're meant to learn and apply each day which is really cool because that makes it very fun for them because they get what's called yeah positive. totally so you're going to learn something, you see it works, so you're really excited, you're anticipating learning the next thing, you're even more excited when that works, you're even more excited to learn the next thing, and you get this like upward spiral of dopamine that comes, so people really get hooked on the job in their first three months in particular, and then once they've made it through the, the, you know, the sales training and they've hit promotions that are all, you know, we, we set the promotions around uh, criteria they have to hit to demonstrate they know what they're supposed to do. Not only will they be able to get more money, but then they can start, you know, running teams. So they can now, now they're able to train. So, so number one, you get the video training. We actually have, we actually have someone, we have a training specialist who checks on them every morning and every night to make sure they're actually learning the thing they're meant to learn and then getting them to reflect on how it worked for them that day, which is really good for synapse growth. And they get, each person gets a mentor assigned to them. So they actually get a leader responsible for helping them learn on field and actually learn it all. And they also get access to a manual if they're if they're really nerdy and they can read about it all and I've I've written it all so so we go hell for leather when it comes to uh, you know I, I don't know if anyone is as meticulous with the sales training as as we are but we've done it in a way that it's designed to be incremental because if you just chuck it all at them at once they they won't retain any of it but if you can 
you know, give them, you know, regular reviews. And we actually have in their first three weeks, we'll actually pull them out of the job for half a day once a week to go over all the things they're meant to know and give them a bit more education around mentality and habits and skills and stuff like that. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, there, there's one of our ads, one of our seek ads is literally best. The title of the ad, the job ad is best job you've ever had, or we'll give you $200 and nobody is taking I love that. That's great. And so you're very big on, I guess, you know, making the person that walks into your business the best person possible, both within your business and outside your business by the sounds of it through like extensive training and support. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Look, we, we're very big on, uh, you know, if, if we said that this is, you know, you, you got to look at employment like a sale, right? Like if I'm, if you're going to pay me with your time, I'm going to make sure that you get that delivered on. And so if people are coming here to learn or that they want to make money quickly, which you can do in sales roles, or they want to be in a part of a fun team, I got to make damn sure I'm actually delivering on that. And, and that's, you know, obviously when you scale to different cities and different countries, um, you know, you've got to make sure that the leaders that you've put in place, the managers you put in place to do that also know how to create those things. And that's that it's big on us. It's big for us to make sure we're delivering on, you know, people come here. Well, and obviously I know that, you know, people want a job as well. Right. But, but, and it's not like they're doing it for free, but it's still very important for me. It's that it's, it's called the, the 120 principle where if I'm selling something, I've got to genuinely believe that you're giving me $20 and I'm giving you a hundred bucks in exchange, because the more you believe in what you're selling, the more you're going to be able to sell it really effectively because you're genuinely passionate about it and you're not going in there to use people, you're going out there to try and help people. And and I think the same mentality applies to recruitment. Yeah, no, I really like that approach too. And like, because obviously you mentioned before that you're in, you know, your success comes from small ticket items rather than large ticket. What are some examples of the, the products that you and your, your company, you know, do sell and, you know, you get your... Your troops to rally to get around yeah so it's 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 anything that's on a cpa model for the most part although we, we do have some of our own products in development now which is really exciting um but it's you know it's obviously pretty much uh like mercenary style you know it, it's it goes under marketing right it's like any any agency specializes so some will specialize in radio some specialize in touch media we specialize predominantly in face-to-face because you can close on the spot it's more effective and it's more fun um so we do a lot of face-to-face predominantly. That's like shopping centers, door-to-door, a bit of business-to-business as well. Um, and and ideally, you know, things where you'll get paid up front. So lotteries, right? So like uh, right, like one of our favorite clients is RSL Queensland, where you do the, yep. the ongoing lotteries. But obviously, a lot of that actually goes to help veterans and stuff as well. Um, we do a lot of fundraising for non-for-profit organizations, charities, things like that. Um, we've done a little bit of uh, like like, you know, uh, fitness stuff, uh, you know, and some lead gen and things like that. It, it's it's some of it's seasonal, but the ones that I love the most are the lotteries and the fundraising. But it's you know, if if there is a good product that that our guys get around, we can do that as well. Yeah, now that's really interesting. A, a really uh, unique kind of sales realm that most people would have no idea that existed. I guess in some sense. Well, it's also because it's hard, right? And and that's good for mm. me because if you learn how to do it and you can teach it really well, then it's not hard. But for it's it's not an industry where I ever really worry about like a multinational conglomerate coming in and trying to, you know, trying to 
you know, take market share because it, unless you've grown up doing it, unless you've started at the bottom, it's very, very hard to manage. Um, and so there's a real niche there for us. And, and that's, it motivates me because I feel like I'm, you know, uh, you know, being given that opportunity, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm showing my gratitude for it by making the most of it. Yeah, no, most definitely. And obviously by you know, having a bit of a, uh, a research into what you've done in the past, I've, I've seen you've got a, a book as well in sales, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, that was a fun one. So that was, I'd always wanted to write a book. It was, it was actually quite funny because I'd never, um, I'd never liked English in school. Uh, I, you know, you know, fast forward, I, you know, I was 27, I, I found out I had ADD, but at the time I just was never passionate about it. Right. And I, um, I, but, but it, I, I, when, when COVID hit, I like, I'd done a little bit of, of like creative writing before that, because I, I'd, I'd found a taste for it when I was like 23, 24, that I just like, whenever I was bored, I could just whip out my phone and start, start writing, you know, stories. And then I, I did spend a bit of time writing like fiction novels and stuff as well. But when COVID hit, I, you know, we, in Australia, we had what, you know, 12 weeks or in Queensland, we had 12 weeks, obviously, you know, down South had it a lot worse where we just didn't do anything. I was just stuck in home. And it was actually kind of funny because my roommate, his girlfriend was a PT and she had like a full like gym set up with like, re like fighting mats and stuff on it. So every single day we would go out and have like an illegal fight club for, to start the day. But then at the end, but then we'd come home <laughs> and, and I, I just, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, I couldn't do nothing. And so I just got my, all of my best tips of, you know, sales, you know, especially leadership stuff that you get in sales that I thought, even if this doesn't sell that well, I, I can still give it to my staff and it'll be worth the effort. And so, so it was a very risk-free, you know, experience. And, um, mm. and I just got hooked in the, but the funniest part about it, right? So I grew up in Bermuda, which is a little Island, uh, just above the Caribbean. Um, wow. and it, it's not particularly, you know, it's not a, a wildly, high level place right so i never actually learned to type on a computer i still to this day i still do these ones right and and so i actually ended up writing the book in my notes in my iphone because i typed faster with my thumbs and then i transferred it onto a computer when it was done that's hilarious how cool is that yeah. and what was the experience like of writing a book because you know you often hear you know writers you know they get writer's block and it's quite difficult you know with the concentration and putting the time in, I guess, but I guess, cause you're so passionate about the industry that you're in. Was it an easy task for you or was it? I love it, man. I, I love what I do so much. And I, it's the funny thing when I, when I think about like competition in my industry, right. Is like, I don't, even if somebody is better than me now, right. Which, you know, thankfully in Australia, there's not that many people who are, but if, you know, if somebody is better in, in different areas or if they, if they run bigger teams or if they, you know, if they, they're better at generating, you know, sales, I don't care because I love it more. I love what I do more. And so I'll outlast you, I'll outlearn you, I'll outwork you. Like I I love what I do so much because I know why I do it. I didn't do this to get rich. I, I don't get me wrong, money's great and I, and I you know, but but I I do this because of what it does for the staff. And mm. I never forget that. I never I never lose sight of why I'm doing it and I never stop loving doing what I'm doing. 
And so, so the passion definitely helps a lot. I think the other thing with writing a book, and if you ever are, you know, if anyone is ever wondering, you know, how do I write a book about, you know, for a nonfiction book, it's, you just format it, right? It's like, what are the, the top, you know, all the top five to 10 headings and then what's three to four things for each heading that helps me be good at the thing that I'm supposed to be good at. And then for each of those, you just structure it, why, what, how. So why is it important? What is it? And preferably explain it in like a story or a metaphor so it's easier to understand. And then how do you do it? So mm. some sort of demonstration or accountability exercise. And if you saw it, it's literally just, a, you know, you've got your, you know, your, your main headings and then each heading, you've got three sub points. Each sub point is broken down into why, what, how, why, what, how, why, what, how. And so having us, I, I think, you know, there's an old saying I really like. It says you don't need motivation. You need clarity and you need discipline. If you've got yeah. clarity and you've got discipline, then you can't lose. And so anyone struggling with writer's block, it's like, then you haven't, you haven't outlined it properly because if you know, if you have a structure and a framework that you're meant to follow and, and that's the most fun part and you've got all the juice, like when you first start the book, you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. That's when you're doing your outline. And, and obviously it can be malleable as you go, but if you're, yeah, if, if anyone's got writer's block, then go back to your framework and figure out why you, what clarity you're missing and what you need to be writing about. Yeah. It sounds, I love how uh, easy you made how easy it was for you to write a book that's pretty impressive thanks um interesting fact bermuda where you grew up is that that's that's where you're originally from yeah i was born in australia but yeah. at the time it was like a tax haven and my dad mm. didn't like paying australian taxes so right. we, we moved to uh bermuda because he set a business up over there he's he's a really interesting story actually it's another one for another time but he he you know a lot of times you hear the rags to riches stories well mm. we went from riches to rags so right uh, like he he was like he was you know killing he had a business launching satellites into space when we were wow. in bermuda and um but that whole industry went under around the time that whole Enron thing happened and all the, you know, just mm. investors got spooked. And so he lost everything. And, and so we couldn't even afford to live in Bermuda anymore. We had to, we had to go to live in America, um, which is where you get the, the hint of the accent from. It's the, the hard R's come from the, my I was time trying in to America. pick that up. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, people, but sucked <laughs> in, right? <laughs> um, half Australian, half American. Yeah. It's a bit of, it's a bit of everything. Yeah. And a bit of Bermudian yeah. in there as well. So, um, but it was a, it was a really cool experience. I was one of four white kids in my school in Bermuda. Um, wow. so it was, yeah, so you learn to dance pretty well. So that's a, that's a positive that I, that I got from the experience, but it was just a, yeah. but it's a cool place, man. Like people are happy. I, I, I find that in tropical places, people are just happier. You don't have a lot of sad people in beautiful places. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's another reason I live on the gold coast. Right. So, um, 100%. Yeah, but it, but it was a really cool experience growing up there for sure. So Bermuda's, is that the resemblance with the Bermuda Triangle where all the planes always go down? Yeah, so it's at the, there's a couple of schools of thought with it, but it's, uh, so the, the triangle is Bermuda's here and then Florida is there and then Jamaica is there. So in that sort of triangle between Bermuda, Jamaica and Florida, you'd get, that's not a triangle, but I'm doing my best here, right? <laughs> but, but in that little triangle between them, um, you, you, a lot of planes would go missing and ships would go missing. And I've heard a couple of, a couple of different theories. The one that I heard that I liked the best, so I'm going with that, is that there's like big methane vents in the crust of the ocean. 
and apparently mm. that um, it makes the the water lighter than the boats, and so the boats will just randomly sink. Um, and apparently that can affect uh, the navigation system for airplanes and stuff like that. Um, I I just like that one because it just makes me laugh that if like the last thing you smell before you die is fart, <laughs> yeah, not the best way to go. It still no, amazes so- me how you can lose a ship or a plane though. That's incredible. Yeah, well, it's a funny one. It's also, but also that that area there's a ton of like there's hurricane. Like we had a we had a class four hurricane fly over the island when I was there. It was like the yeah. most devastating one they'd had in like thirty years, and it was wild. Like the like uh, the the wind was going like two hundred miles an hour, and everyone. The the cool thing is the island is very like prepared for stuff like that so all you have to do is like board up your windows and don't go outside but even now like like on the gold coast there's a lot of power outages because they just had this really severe storm like the most severe storm we've had in a long time came up and people have been without power for like two days and they're like oh my god what do we do and it's like we had that hurricane come over we had we were out of power for two weeks and we did just fine like i just made it through all the harry potter books you know like yeah um, so so that was an interesting you know that was an interesting experience but um yeah it's uh it's it's so maybe it could have just been hurricanes and stuff like that as well because they they go it's like that really warm water in the in the atlantic and so you get a lot of storms that way i suppose it just becomes part of life too like if you if you're expecting it and you know it's happened before and it's going to happen again it's like oh we're just going to do the best we've got yeah yeah look it's, i think that's why australians generally like we're especially in queensland like we're we're just used to to bad weather so it's, yeah. it's never you know obviously flooding's bad but you don't get a lot of casualties you don't get a lot of people dying because they go all right here's this is going wrong let's get out of here like grab all your valuables let's go let's go to where it's not going to mess us up whereas yeah. you find in bigger bigger places like america and stuff like that where it's just not the the whole ground is flat everywhere you go is flat and so if it starts flooding everything is getting rolled yeah no it's uh we're quite fortunate in that extent i mean we have some pretty severe weather outings but we're pretty lucky in the aspect of the weather we do get you know we don't get cyclones and things like that. well we do not hurricanes is what i'm thinking of uh, yeah it's, it's certainly like that australia is a great place so i've been to i've been to 33 countries so far and I, like nothing compares to the like like even just any anywhere on the on the coast of Australia, it's the best. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree with you there. And going back in because I'm really fascinated about your I guess sales strategy and approach. And it sounds like you've or you have you've really got a, a really strong approach on where you want your team and I guess company to stand within the market. Where do you think uh, like companies go wrong? Like. You know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like, where where would you say like a company goes into a sale selling low ticket or high ticket items? Where where do you see from your perspective they go wrong or they fail from? Yeah, look, I think the principles are still the same either way because I have sold high ticket. I, I it's not like I you know I, I wouldn't be in sales if I hadn't have you know tried all the different types of sales or as many as I could. Yeah. Um, and I, I personally just don't have the attention span for it. Like I, mm. I don't like, you know, we've got a meeting and then we've got another meeting and then you're not ready yet. So let's circle back in six months. It's like, that's not, it's just not as exciting to me. And it doesn't help me do what I feel like I've been put on the planet to do, which is create leaders um, mm. through, through the structure. So the, but, but I think where I see a lot of, where I see a lot of businesses going wrong is number one, they don't give enough recognition 
I think that's the, the, you know, the thing that builds momentum faster than anything is they is is people being praised and being rewarded for doing hard work because not only do, especially publicly because not only does that make them want to work harder but it also makes everyone else want that as well so i think recognition is one thing that is that's really missing from most business not not just sales businesses but businesses in general they'll have the old model of let's throw a bunch of crap at the wall and see what sticks when it comes to hiring and training so they don't put a lot of effort into their training they they think that it's about finding the right person and that person will inherently be good. And yeah. that's like, that'd be like doing, uh, you know, doing like a rest, like a jujitsu match, but not doing any chokes, you know, like, it's like, why are you cutting off half of your, you know, half of your opportunities there? And so, so that one I see is a, is a real issue from a lot of people is they just, they don't invest in training because they don't, they're just lazy. They, they think, they think it's about, they've had, they've had good experiences finding good people and then they just stick them with someone else and say, Hey, follow them around and let me know how that goes. And you know, it, it, then they wonder why their business is so inconsistent. So I think that's a big one as well as that old school mentality of, of, you know, resources, not resourcefulness. So, so, you know, we, we yeah. put a big focus on let's make the most out of what we've got rather than let's just acquire as much as we can. And, and that's a, it's a much more effective strategy for, you know, for success. Um, it's actually, have you, have you read the book outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? No, I've heard good things about it though. So there's one thing in there that I really liked is they talked about how, why you've got the racial stereotype that Chinese people are good at math, right? Um, yeah. But, but the funny thing about that is that n there's no data whatsoever to show that northern, you know, inland Chinese people are good at math. It's, it's people that came from traditionally, not everyone, obviously, traditionally came from the areas in the south where there were a lot of rivers where they did a lot of rice farming. Because yeah. in like, for instance, feudal farming, like if you're farming like corn in like the, the Middle Ages, you, you don't, it, there's no skill to it. You just plant the seed. And if you've got a lot of land... You, you make it work and you only really work for eight months out of the year, right? Whereas in with, with Chinese, uh, you know, it, with the way that they would do the rice, the rice patties, it was all about efficiency. If you, if you worked harder, you got a better yield. You actually got, you got a better, your, your crops were, you know, where you made more money if you got better at doing all the little things right and working very hard. And yeah. so why, where that translates to math is, that math is actually about how much you stick at something until you get it and working out the best ways to, to achieve outcomes. And so that's why the it's translated across because they grew up being told work hard, work hard, keep, keep at it, keep at it, and then getting rewarded for it. And so where our, our mentality is very similar in that way is like we, if, if we get people in the habit of, you know, getting good and working hard and rewarding that they're going to keep doing those success traits yeah keep delivering mm -hmm. yeah i like i like that i think there's yeah and i guess i mean everyone's different in terms of the way they approach it but what are your thoughts around you probably get asked this a lot what are your thoughts around jordan belford obviously we all know the movie quite well wolf of wall street but in terms of his approach although he you know ran the dodgy side of some parts what what do you gather from someone like him because obviously 
there'd be a lot of young people that you know would look to get into sales in their career that either at school or in the early stages of career that would probably look up to someone like that based on fame and success and what they've seen in the movies but what what do you take out of that uh, uh, look as a as a person i think he sold all his best friends out so i mm. you know that's you know, you've, you like it's not it's not like it was like he's like a gang member ratting on other gang you know like people up the supply chain that he's only met through yeah. drug deals it's like these are people that trusted you that you cared about like i would die for my staff i would like but people that have been with me since day one there's you, mm. you know, i would I'd, i would jump in front of a bullet for those guys and the fact that he sent them most of them to jail and no one talks about that i as a person I, i'm not a, a giant fan i i wouldn't i don't have it harbor any animosity i don't know the guy but uh, you know that that's one thing i think needs to be you know pe- in terms of people looking up to him that's something mm. i hope they don't take away from it but in terms of his the, what he teaches it's fantastic get your day's work done get your day's work done get your day's work done